Disclaimer, listener discretion is advised. This content may be unsettling for young children. Bermuda Triangle is a well-known paranormal hotspot in the Atlantic Ocean, right off the coasts of Florida and Puerto Rico. Well, what if we told you that we had our own microcosm of the Bermuda Triangle right here in Massachusetts? Maybe you wouldn't believe us, but stay tuned to learn more. Because on this episode of The Triangle, we will explore the history of King Philip's War and the spirits and curses that remain in the woods. With everything from dancing spirits and mythical creatures to ancient Native American curses, the Bridgewater Triangle is no stranger to the unexplainable. We're your hosts, Emma and Julia, and this is The Triangle. And remember, don't go searching for answers that you don't want to find. The Bridgewater Triangle is a 200-square-mile area that lies in southeastern Massachusetts. The Triangle's points are made up of Abington to the north, Rehoboth to the southwest, and Freetown to the southeast. However, for the first time in the Triangle's long history, it is believed that it has been delineated and the oddities of the Bridgewater Triangle have spread outside its original boundaries. So basically, the towns within the Triangle are no longer just the only ones being affected by this curse and these strange happenings and the paranormal activity it's kind of spread to the areas and the surrounding towns mm-hmm. and the hockamock swamp is the centerpiece of the strange activity within the bridgewater triangle and the towns surrounding it most of the paranormal activity in the triangle is concentrated in the area around the swamp and the word hockamock actually can be directly translated to devil in algonquin so it's safe to say that the paranormal activity and the strange things that have happened clearly stemmed from Native American beliefs and ideas. Yeah, we're going to get into a lot of that later. Um, but there have been so many strange things seen. There have been UFOs, Thunderbirds, Bigfoots, um, and also reports of spirits, satanic cults, demon-like creatures in like the whole area. And it's been made by locals and also experts. Wow, that's really interesting. So um, let's get into a little bit about the cryptozoology and how that plays into the Bridgewater Triangle. So I know cryptozoology is the search and study of animals whose existence or survival is disputed. Well, there's this guy, Lauren Coleman, and he's a famous cryptozoologist that was actually born in Virginia, yet later in his life, he moved to Massachusetts. I know when he got here and when he got to New England, he continued his doctoral studies of anthropology anthropology at Brandeis University and then later at the University of New Hampshire for his doctoral studies in sociology. So he ended up writing a total of nine books all centered around cryptozoology and mysterious happenings in America and specifically Massachusetts. His book Monsters of Massachusetts we actually read excerpts of of this in preparing for this podcast. Um, It was published in 2013 And it was focused on the mysterious creatures lurking in the Bridgewater Triangle. So I remember reading that Coleman actually has a um, museum dedicated to his 
studies and and his investigations of cryptozoology. Do you want to explain a little bit more about that? He does. My little brother actually went to visit a few years ago. Oh, wow. And it's in Portland, Maine, and it's got a lot of stuff about the Bridgewater Triangle. There's a lot of stuff on Bigfoot, if I remember. And he has a lot of his books and stuff there, so it's pretty cool. So is that kind of where he likes to showcase his findings and kind of share them with the world, I guess? Yeah, I think so. It's actually a pretty popular place. So I know the Bridgewater Triangle and the story is actually not mo- not known to that many, but as we did a lot more research, we actually found that the Bridgewater Triangles in recent years has gained significantly more popular, and there's actually a documentary about it. It's titled The Bridgewater Triangle, at, which is very yes. fitting, <laughs> and it was produced in 2013 by Bristol County Media. Bristol County Media. Uh, I know I definitely recommend this film. We got the chance to watch it when finding evidence and research for this documentary. And I thought it was really interesting. What about you, Julia? Yeah, I thought it was really good, really informative. And actually, I was really surprised by the quality of the documentary. Yeah, no, so was I. Because I feel like when there's these little underground, hole-in-the-wall kind of traditions specific to certain areas, a lot of times quality gets lost in film yeah. production. But I was really impressed with the with the... Uh, professional professionalism of the film Mm -hmm. it was super good and I just I think it's if you're really interested in the topic it covers a broad range of what goes on in the triangle so I think it's a great way to start if you're interested in learning about it yeah no I know for me because I know you going into this knew a little bit about the Bridgewater Triangle and its origins but I was completely naive to it and to its existence so watching this for me personally as someone who probably like many of you have never really done any investigation on it or any research i know i got to learn a lot about different aspects of it we learned about the native american aspect and then also like the paranormal and the scientifically unexplainable and i i just gained a lot of general information and also specific instances that locate and located in the bridgewater triangle that go back to everything that we've talked about Was that everything? All right, so let's get into the history. King Philip's War, also commonly known as Medicom's Rebellion, lasted from 1675 to 1676. So... The war served as the Native Americans' last attempt to fight off the British settlers that were encroaching on their land. While we all kind of know the history of how the colonies here in America were founded, and we know that the settlers just kind of came in and went wherever they wanted. They had no regard for the Native Americans that were already here, and they just took whatever land they could find. So King Philip, he was the chief of the Wampanoag, commonly known in the Massachusetts and Cape Cod area. Um, He led an army of Wampanoag, Nipmuc, Pocumtuck, and Narragansett warriors to fight off these settlers that, once again, were encroaching on their land. So, this battle lasted just over a year, and the war was, to this day, the bloodiest battle ever fought on American soil. Even worse than the Civil War in regards to percentages of the population. And it, um, roughly 3,000 natives and 500 settlers were killed, um, which was a lot back then because there weren't many 
settlers especially or natives still left (laughs) yeah like you said this was the biggest percentage of the population in the country had been wiped out through this war than we've ever seen in american history yeah such a short time too yeah and this was honestly the bloodiest massacre for these native americans the population of natives in the area they didn't really rebound after that like it slowly they slowly decreased in numbers so um king philip was actually captured and beheaded and his head was then mounted on a stake outside the colony gates for 20 years and that was like an english tradition that the settlers brought over was to mount heads on stakes as a warning you know yeah so this this head on a stake outside of I believe it was Plymouth Colony, actually. That's where that's where his final resting place was, as far as where his head was kept for so many years. Yes. Um, they served as, like, like you said, a warning to these other Native Americans that were still in the area and those that were captured by these settlers in this war to kind of be like, hey, listen, this is what happened to your leader last time you tried to rebel. Um, don't again. So the remaining natives that were unable to escape to canada they were either sold into slavery or they were actually executed um for example king philip's wife and his daughter were actually sold into slavery right in front of him um that was kind of the last image he had of them before he was killed on his deathbed king philip was rumored to lay a curse on the bridgewater triangle and that's kind of the origin of all the strange happenings it's believed by many to be the reason behind the strange occurrences within the area. So, like we were saying, uh, yeah, on his deathbed, King Philip was, like we like we already talked about, he was rumored to lay a curse on the Bridgewater Triangle, and that's kind of believed to be the reason behind all the strange occurrences in this 200-square-mile area in southeastern Massachusetts. Well, one site of the odd occurrences that is really significant to the story of the Bridgewater Triangle is Profile Rock. And that is a 50-foot rock formation located in the Freetown State Forest. And remember we talked about how Freetown actually is one of the points on the triangle. So it's definitely a hub of paranormal activity. Well, the rock actually appears to be the face of a Native American chief. Well, because of that, there have also been numerous reports of Native American spirits dancing on top of Profile Rock. So these people go into these woods and they see these apparitions of these people and these natives dancing on the head of what seems to be a Native American chief. So it's kind of weird when you think about it, when you get into when you get into the details about that. So Native American lore is actually like a big part of the legends that surround the triangle. And in this specific to the region lore, there are creatures known as Pukwudgies and they're described as small creatures with humanistic qualities, and they live in the woods, like, surrounding the Bridgewater Triangle. And they tend to lead humans into the woods, and ultimately to harm. With that being said, it's in your best interest to leave these creatures alone if they come across your path. So, they're dangerous. Yeah, like, kind of to piggyback off of that, um, 
one Freetown local, his name is William Russo, actually reports to have seen a small creature lurking in the dark while on a walk with his dog, Samantha. <laughs> well, Samantha was clearly really agitated, and Will and William Russo was kind of overcome by this uneasy feeling when in the presence of this creature. Uh, upon further investigation, it is believed by many that the creature was a Pukwudgie. And I remember he reported hearing hearing the Pukwudgie speak to him, and after a further dissection, and as he thought about it more, yeah. it was actually believed that he was saying, come here, we want you. Yeah, which is really common with Pukwudgies sightings. People say that they try to lead them somewhere. You're yeah. not supposed to go with them. That's like the whole thing with yeah. Pukwudgies. And he talks about how he was not brave enough to get any closer no, to the Pukwudgie. No, he wanted to go. His dog wanted to go. Yeah, but that's definitely for the best. Um, and after he learned more about it, he was definitely grateful that he didn't do any more investigating. And he didn't he didn't try to be the hero because these Pukwudgies, they really are. They really are dangerous. Yeah, like, I don't know. Maybe it has something to do with their various missing persons cases. Yeah. That. I'm sure we'll touch on eventually. Yeah, I think that could definitely be the result of some misleading Pukwudgies. Yeah. And one thing I found really interesting is the story of these Pukwudgies, the presence that they, like, give off is actually kind of contradictory. Yeah. Because people report to see these almost orb-like glowing balls of, like, apparition. I don't really know what it is. I know in Irish culture, a lot of times they're referred to as like these will-o'-the-wisps that kind of lure these people into the woods, but not in a negative way. But then, so these Pukwudgies are accompanied by these, but then also people have reported this dark, overwhelming presence when in in the relative area of a Pukwudgie. So you have these both sides to this yeah. this creature and it's really kind of unsettling they don't seem intimidating based on how they are described as small like little people but yeah when people are around them they report feeling uneasy like something's very wrong exactly That's why a lot of people know kind of instinctually not to go yep with them so in addition to puckwudgies something called a thunderbird has been spotted many times flying over the land that makes up the bridgewater triangle so, thunderbirds were held in high regard in ancient Native American cultures. These creatures were described as pterodactyl-like birds with wingspans that can range from 8 to 12 feet wide. Um, in 1971, actually, um, Easton Police Sergeant Thomas Downey claimed to have seen one flying overhead while on duty. There have yeah. also been a lot of other sightings besides that, too. So, I know, I remember we talked about how... Downey actually, he reported this, he and did. nobody believed him. Why do you think that is? I don't know. Maybe just people don't want to believe stuff like that. But in I feel reality, like people... what would his motive be? Like Exactly. He didn't call it the Thunderbird. He just said there's this huge giant bird, and it's like birds like that don't live around here. Exactly. I know Downey definitely seems like a very credible source with no reason. He didn't want the attention. He... It wasn't a fame thing for him, clearly, as nobody believed him, and he seemed like a credible source. So, I don't know. I feel like people just don't want to believe that things can go wrong and that there's kind of a greater power in our own backyard. I know. I think especially with this area, southeastern Massachusetts, people want to believe it's safe. People want to raise their kids here, good schools. They don't want to believe that something's 
not right that this could actually be a lot more going on than it seems to be yeah i think it all comes down to the fact that nobody wants to believe that there's something lurking in the dark of this show were us, your hosts, Julia and Emma. Special thanks to Mrs. Bryant for inspiring us to follow our passion and share it with the rest of you. Make sure you tune in to the next episode of The Triangle when we explore the satanic cult of the Bridgewater Triangle through the investigation of some strange reports. Oh, and one more thing. Remember, don't go searching for answers that you don't want to find. This is The Triangle. Until next time.